Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 55. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And to, on today's episode, uh, we are discussing licensing of models that we print and actually use for our videos. Um, if we should do that, if we need to do that, if those models are under a non-commercial license or if it's basically a win-win situation for the creator of the model and for us. Um, so let's see how that turns out. Then on news, um, there is some rumors going on in Shenzhen that the infamous creator of the Anet A8 might be gone. Um, then there is a date for East Coast Rep Rep Festival 2020. And I'm asking myself if I killed my first stepper motor driver. <laughs> Let's see. Stefan is also asking himself on this episode whether he should start a second German channel and we discuss whether that makes sense and what pitfalls there might be to that. Um, and then one of the longer topics today, um, sponsors on YouTube channels um, on or on YouTube videos. Stefan's on mine. Um, what the ups and downs of that are because there are actually some upsides for you as a viewer as well for us having sponsors. And finally, we answered two questions or comments that we got from you guys. Um, the first one about Stefan's high flow experiments, um, whether the T-star stamping idea is working out. And finally, composting PLA seems to be an evergreen topic. And we discuss whether that's actually possible and whether the findings somebody has commented on are plausible. Uh, where, where, where do we even start with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we had so little to talk about now it's so much that we have to talk about Let, yeah. let's keep it short <laughs> yeah well we've we've already done an hour of, of warm-up yeah. as we do before these episodes <laughs> let's just jump into the first one licensing i titled this one so on on twitter um a week ago or so um i asked hey do you think it is appropriate to use um, creative commons non-commercial or all rights reserved which is a weird license for downloadable 3d models anyways um <laughs> models and and show them in videos or uh tiktoks or, or other stuff where people are doing that as their full-time thing as in me and you we, we're both uh we're both printing 3d models from the internet and we're showing them in videos and it's our job and we're making money with it yeah. um so like it's is it is it non-commercial i mean with a Creative Commons uh, with, a, with, a, with an all rights reserved license, it's technically you can't even do anything with it. Um, so my stance has always been avoid Creative Commons non-commercial models where possible. Um, but if there is one that, that you just have to print or if there's no alternative uh, to that model, print it and uh, ask for forgiveness uh, and, and not for permission. What's, what's your stance on that? It is hard because I usually, I think I usually just use those models and told myself, yeah, it's free promotion for them because true. By me showing this this model online, of course, I do earn revenue with the video, and I would, and if I would make like a dedicated video for a specific model i would be earning money with that model but since i'm not giving away a f like this model physically to anyone and anyone Ooh. can touch it Ooh, or i'm giving away the raw data or the stl model i should be fine i'm completely sh positive that this is definitely a gray area and Okay. I would not like to, to discuss that in front of a court. <laughs> but honestly, just from my perspective, I don't see any negative effects for the model owner. <laughs> right. But you, you're just, you're just making the, the piracy argument. Like you, you're no, taking it, you're using it and it's, you, you're not taking anything away. You, you're using it and the original is still there. There's nothing lost in that regard. No, I, I guess the piracy argument is different because of course you are not stealing anything physically if you are illegally downloading a game, a 
software STL or something like that, but you are taking away the opportunity that you as a person buy this product. If right. I am, so that there is actual lost revenue there. There is um, potential lost revenue, and if I show a model online and people like that model, I think they will not be satisfied by just seeing it in my video. Maybe they are way more satisfied if they go to the rights owner, download their model, or even buy their model. So it's basically a win-win situation for both. But I do understand the point. Yeah. So with with lost revenue, if you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm using this in, in my video, um, and I'm, I'm showing a printout of the file, mm. There is still a potential lost revenue because you could have signed a licensing agreement um, for a couple of hundred bucks to be able to show it in, in your videos. That yeah. is that is potential lost revenue. Um, so the, the the model I'm referring to specifically in this case is the articulated dragon by ah oh god what was his name? Uh, not not Greeble something something like that. Um, I, I don't know if you can Google that real quick. The um, the 3D calls model. Yeah, it's on called Swim Mini Factory. Um, Articulated dragon, yeah. um, and that is a model that you buy for. I think it's like three or four bucks, um, and then my mini factory calls etc. Get a share of that, but it's it's a paid model, and depending on where you look, I think on my mini factory it's like all rights reserved. On cults, it's it's the regular cults 3D license, which I think also um, excludes commercial use. But mm-hmm. The thing is always with with uh, CC non commercial and those sort of licenses, it's always like. Please don't sell my model. Mm. Please don't sell the 3D model. Um, yeah. And also, please don't sell prints of the model. That's like mm-hmm. the, the classic yeah. thing that, as far as like what the creator is trying to say with that license, is trying Mac to say. Guy Beer. Mac Guy. <laughs> I, I knew there was a G in there somewhere. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, like I said, I think the intent behind a I'm reserving more rights on this mm. license is please don't directly like make money with my my model and sell the model itself or sell mm. um, prints that are just the model where there's like yeah. no no addition to it, I mm. guess. Um, uh, but still, so, so th- of course, the, the option is like, why don't you just ask? Why don't you just ask the people if you can print and, and show their stuff? And... Yes, I've I've thought about that, and that is something that that's that's been brought up, and like, it makes sense. But you, if you're if you're asking for permission, there there is more of a more of a rat's tail or more of a of a Pandora's box you're opening up there than than you might think at first. Uh, that then you might think at first sight, um, because th- permission to use something is a very fine grained. Um, very fine-grained thing. So, for example, um, model releases as far as, like, photo models um, or people you have in front of a camera and you interview. Um, Joel, 3D Printing Nerd, has actually had uh, model releases. Um, I remember at, at Earth, um, last time I was there, he had documents. He, he would have his interview partners sign saying, hey, he can use the footage with them um, for his purposes on, on the YouTube channel for further commercial exploitation if he, I don't know, has a show reel somewhere at some point or if a TV station wants to license some footage from him mm-hmm. um, where he's checking for that, 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 that. That's all allowed. Um, also that there is no royalties that the um, interviewee in that case wants um, for every view or for, for every video created. It's It's a very broad, legally speaking, it's a very broad thing you have to check for. Um, and the same for, for a 3D model. So if I were to ask for permission in a way where the model creator later can't come back and say, no, 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 that's that's not what I meant. I, I, I only meant you could show it in this way and you show it in a slightly different way and they sue you. You would have to have a full legal contract with like, mm-hmm. hey, creators granting me a, a royalty-free, worldwide, non-exclusive license Um for this, that, that, for commercial exploitation, and and it's it very easily gets very complex and very hard to sign, honestly. So if you send someone, if if you see a model on on pressure printer somewhere, and you send them a legal document to sign it, it's like, hey, sign this. I don't think that they're gonna come back and, and be like, oh yeah, DocuSign, sure, here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> be be right with you. Um, so that that becomes 
yeah, very difficult really quickly. And and if you have that turnaround time of, of sending out a, a licensing agreement and waiting for it and then having it come back or nothing come back, you're wasting three or four days and then you've got you've got to look for another model. And in the background, I hope nobody can hear that because I forgot 3D printers make noise. There's a there's the Mark III printing with the Revo. That is printing a a model right now. And I just when you're testing out stuff and you need stuff to print or something that that's that's hot right now in on the internet. You can't have that turnaround time of of hey, we're just going to spend another three days mm. or another two cycles, another week, um, just waiting for the permission to to print something. Mm. I guess so far there might not have been any any court cases where one of these license owners really sued somebody due to one of these reasons. So for this reason, it's it's still that gray area. At least when it comes to like showing it in a video and it's not like promoting a product directly like 3d printers mm -hmm. use models too to show off their printer capabilities yeah. um or of course physically sold models that's that's a that's a mm -hmm. no-go as far as i'm aware but videos yes mm -hmm. no and the, also the question would be if it would be beneficial for license owners to do such license license agreement because then you as a creator might cho might choose other models to to use in your videos and and as i said before i think in a way it's a win-win situation you make money or you earn revenue due to your artistic skill making a video and you are in a way promoting these models so that the license owner could earn revenue with um like either a physical product or just downloading the model itself yeah so in the case that it is a paid model but still if it's a free model on pressure printers or something uh there's still a tip button there and right yeah i'm not exactly. saying i'm not saying for exposure is fine but like you get what i mean yes i i think the very important thing is that there is proper attribution who the model is belonging to if you are not doing that i think it's way more not okay than just in this gray area win-win situation yeah if you are putting like the, the name of the creator and the model on screen or in the description and things like that. I th I think it's fine. I would say that it's a win-win situation for both. If you're not doing that, it's 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 not a good move. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the core problem here is that the licenses that people are choosing to use are not great for stuff like 3D models, where yeah. the 3D model itself isn't what is being used. You're using a, I guess U.S. copyright law has this, it's a transformative thing mm. that you're showing. You're using a transformed version of that model um, as in either a, a, a 3D render of that model, which is already sort of transformed. You're not showing the STL file itself um, or a printout, which is, yes, based on that model mm. and exactly what that model was intended for, but it's not the model itself. Yeah. And CC licenses, um, are only really explicit about the model or the the, the piece of art um, itself um, that is concerned. Yeah. So that's I, I think maybe maybe some some sort of uh, CC 3D license of a <laughs> or or just in the next uh, Creative Commons licenses do go through revisions. Um, maybe the next revision of of Creative Commons does have a a paragraph for that where it's like, hey, we're we're okay with this work being transformed and used in in x way mm. um just just be be clearer about what um mm. what is intended with those licenses yeah i would find that really really interesting and important um especially for us but but yeah i guess i i don't know what's what's your take on that will you which way will you be go will you be going in the future uh Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I wish I would be able to, to just ask everyone and to, and to do the licensing agreements. But so far, um, like I said, I've, I've been trying to avoid NC models, um, non-commercial mm -hmm. ones. Um, but like I said, ask for forgiveness. I'm not trying to do any harm here. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, like the, the the articulated dragon, I just I just straight up bought on on um, on cult. I believe I bought it on cults. 
yeah. Um, so there is something to be given back in like the promotion. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, it's it's not an easy answer, and it's the entire hey, can you do this for can can you let me use this this model for exposure? Just assuming that isn't great, but so far it's been fine, and I've not run into problems that way and i always do i always do try to give attribution sometimes i forget and then i add it later in, in the description mm-hmm. but that's that's the bare minimum at yeah. least that would be an interesting question for designers and and model owners who maybe currently listen to the podcast if what's what's their take on exactly this problem would they prefer to be asked would they prefer to just not use their non-commercial models at all or are they totally fine for exposure <laughs> yeah <I've, laughs> or for I've, sharing their models or allowing others to show their models for exposure yeah i've had a, uh, a couple of designers comment um under that tweet um mostly saying well just ask but then the question is hey would you sign an actual licensing agreement would you sign yeah. an actual licensing contract or is that not what you meant with just asked? And yeah, yeah, because legally there's not much difference of asking and not not asking. Yeah. Um, so I guess that the next part to that to the licensing thing is a comment we got from from Cheetos Vids, um, and uh, they're saying, "Hey, I've got a few designs licensed under CC, and was wondering if you guys had advice for when someone wants to make a commercial product from one of my designs." So this is again not just showing the design, but actually using their design and putting it into a commercial product or selling it directly. So the question goes on, how to issue a commercial license, any pitfalls, royalties, etc. Um, so first of all, you can definitely issue a commercial license if you've, if you've added or if you've released your, your design first under a CC license. Um, the default is you have all rights reserved to your creations. The only thing that can be done with that is fair use, but fair use definitely does not entail commercial commercialization of the design itself. Um, so with a CC license, you are giving permission um, to a select audience for select purposes to, to use your models. Um, and you can give permission in a CC license, but you can also give other permissions in a commercial licensing deal. Um, those two are, are not exclusive. You can do either one at the same time. Um, and then as far as license fees, royalties go, I don't know, Stefan, have, have you ever licensed something out? I guess not. But I, I think, well, this is not any legal advice. If If you, I think, really really want to know how it works consult consult a lawyer but there are maybe uh just some samples of licensing agreement that you agreements that you can find online state a specific use in in this document state a specific price uh don't maybe take take too little don't take too much but it's really hard to say or to to give a a general answer for that and of course there are different payment modalities um Mm. like um so my 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 experience with licensing is from like stock photos videos and of course stock music uh, with with epidemic sound um the the model used to be for the longest time is um you well for at at least for, for bigger productions is you pay an upfront licensing fee and then you pay royalties so every time I don't know how exactly it works for TV, but every time um, that program is is shown and mm-hmm. it uses some licensed um, asset, um, every time that that program is shown, is broadcast, there is a certain fee that goes to the copyright owner, to the to the license giver, licensor mm-hmm. lic- in that case. Um, that would be royalties or Spotify, basically. Every time mm-hmm. you listen to a song, the artist gets 0.1 cents or something. Um, that would be that would be royalties. Um, the other the other end, of course, is you pay once and you can use it as much as you want, and that's what um, stock footage or video, well, stock, stock photo or, or footage sites like mm. um, what are they called? Um, God, they they sponsored my channel before. 
um, video, video something. Where we have basically a flat rate. You pay 15 bucks a month and you can use as many of their assets as you want. Uh, you download them, you can use them forever in your videos. Mm. Um, where Epidemic works the same way. You pay your, mm. your monthly license fee and you can use as many of their music pieces um, on as many videos as you want on that one platform. No, no. royalties. That is, that is yeah. the royalty-free model. I guess that's 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 a really good point. Uh, these two options, just the just like saying, okay, yeah, pay a thousand bucks and you can print and sell this model as as many times as you like, or uh, do it the other way around. And I want like two dollars per part that you sell. Yeah, I guess. On the one side, when you say, okay, I want per part licensing, the, the risk is more on, on your side because you could, the other person could just like sell 10 of these parts and you get 20 bucks. And on the other side, it's the risk of the licensee, the yep. one who licensed yep. your product. Um, and he has to calculate or she has to calculate how many of your designs they're going to sell and which is cheaper in, in the end. And both, both models are possible. Yeah. Just depends yeah. on, on, on what you think works better for you. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that, that concludes the entire licensing topic. Creative Commons, like I said, not, it's just not a, a good license for 3D models mm. or for models that are intended as a mm. transformative mm. base starting point yeah ah <laughs> rumors we have Rumor. rumors oh, that yes. anet is finally burning up <laughs> <laughs> those weren't really uh those kind really kind of words yeah that was a tweet how long was it ago it was beginning of january so anet the maker of the infamous anet a8 um seems to be gone from the market um well at least they, they seem to be like fizzling out sizzling out they that they're tapering off as far as like how much the company still exists um and so this is a rumor we're, we're just going to call it rumor because it's not been confirmed anyway um by shenzhen hustle um that they posted or they, they tweeted out and they're saying, hey, that they're not buying from their suppliers anymore. And like the the employees are, are gone. And it's just like mm. they're, they're, they just stop existing slowly. Mm. So the website is still online. But I haven't really heard that much from ANET or ANET over the last years. I think at least they didn't contact me or just directly went into the uh into the archive um yeah last, i guess the question i guess the question from september okay i guess the, the question for me is do you think there is in general a bit of a consolidation happening on the 3d printer manufacturer market the bubble is is popping or there have been a ton of different manufacturers but i'm quite sure that not all of them have been profitable Mm, so what I, do you think in the, in the next years will we have even more manufacturers or will there be like the the creality the i don't know the artillery only the big brands um well what, what what i'm always asking myself is when we're seeing all these different brands of 3d printers like is it actually a different company that's that's making these or is it um is it like one group of people that are releasing um I don't know, under five different brands that they're basically one, one design team, they're making mm -hmm. marginal changes and they're just saying, Hey, we are, I don't want to name any, any, any brand names here, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Where yeah. it's, where it's not really where, where, when one brand goes away, it's not like that company is gone. It's just mm -hmm. coming back under a different name. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's been happening a lot recently. Um, because there's so many new new names um, that are making 3D printers now, and they're they're coming and going all the time. It's just it's it's surprising to see that somebody big or one one of the main names like Ainit is is starting to fizzle out. No. Um, will we see more consolidation? I I don't think so. Okay. Honestly. 
there's still gonna be a lot enough market for cheap Ender three clones. Yeah, I mean that there's there's at least gonna be there's always going to be the opportunity to sell um, the same product slightly cheaper, slightly different, mm -hmm. and, and generate hype for it. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's let's see if if this was really the last thing we we heard from from Anet. Um, it's it's interesting, but it always for me it's it always questions if this is a sign from the market or if it's just yeah a company gone because i don't know because they didn't bring enough products on the market with big enough hype so if marketing was bad if the program uh, products were bad or yeah, if I it's a general consolidation of the market i think it's that the last products that i've had a look at from from Anit weren't actually good <laughs> so <laughs> it might also have something to do with that so no. i don't know all right, next one. Definitely not a rumor this time. Um, and that is that East, the East Coast RepRap Festival, aka Earth, um, has given out dates and it will happen as an in-person event October 8th to 9th, 2022. Um, same venue, it seems, in Bel Air, Maryland. Cool. Um, might be the chance that I finally get to, to earth this year would be really looking forward to um it's i guess they shifted it quite a bit because usually um earth was also like in the first or second quarter of the year i think it's a good thing that they delayed it to like the end of summer might be easier with covid and omicron and whatever um but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's just it's things are so unpredictable right now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it's, like, it's okay that they're, they're they're deciding mm -hmm. to to make plans for now. I guess they have to because if you they're saying hey, it's two hundred and sixty days um, before it's happening, mm -hmm. you can't plan an event within a month. It doesn't yeah. happen. Um, so there, I, I guess there are, um, what's the word? Positive. Uh, about the thing happening. Mm -hmm. um, let's hope they're not positive in too many other ways um, at the time. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens until then. Where have you been flying in last time? Washington or I believe so, yeah. Okay. And then I drove up. Oh, God. Horrible drive. I had like a... Uh, some, some Toyota, I think. Automatic. Um <laughs> Or auto trans, of course, um, and just the constant oh, brake gas, brake gas, stop and go traffic with no okay. no um, radar crews. Okay. Oh, my my leg was so cramped up <laughs> after those three hours in the car. Okay. Maybe maybe fly in it at, at not rush hour traffic time. Yeah, I currently have to think because I have been in the area. I think two thousand and fifteen or sixteen or something like that. And we drove from New York to Washington and then back to to Boston. And I don't really remember that it was that bad, but maybe just it was, the it wrong was just time that, at that one route. Um, okay. I'm I'm not sure anymore if it also took the I-95. I don't know anymore. Um, I would be really looking forward to. Um, well, haven't been internationally traveling for the last two and a half years. Right. I wanted to go back to Washington for ages and just like sp spend a week on the National Mall and, and properly visiting all of the Smithsonian museums. Maybe, maybe there's a chance for that at Earth <laughs> or after Earth or before Earth or something like that. Yeah. Well. We we shall see what's we shall see. What's, what's going on then, yeah. As Have far as I know, there aren't any news for from Murph, the Midwest Rep Rep Festival so far. I think there were just questions or there were well, questions about that, but there there is no definitive date for that yet. Would it be but but would that still be this year? Well, Murph was usually I think in March. 
April. Yeah, that, that's why I'm asking. That, that would and be last year it soon. was shifted by a couple of weeks, but it happened. And but I, as far as I'm concerned, I think there isn't any date or information on Murph 2022 yet. Okay. Unfortunately. 2022. We will see. That is Earth. That's Earth, yeah. In-person events. That's going to be interesting again. Yep. Good. Um, should we? Should we? Maybe. Maybe this one's going to be a bit of a bigger topic. Maybe. Maybe yeah. just pull pull this one first. Let's do that. <laughs> Stefan finally killed his first stepper driver. Was that one of the one of the twenty five steps in becoming a three D printing addict? Uh, the you know that list that's that's yeah. circulated on Twitter. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But I think I have never killed a stepper motor driver and. I always thought it's a big myth that stepper motors, stepper motor drivers keep dying and soldered in stepper motor drivers are a bad thing because you can't replace them anymore and things like that. But, um, I, um, basically restarted my old artillery X1 and put it into to my office for a couple of tests. It was working. Um, in the beginning and then the, the extruder just stopped working and I can't figure out why. I haven't pulled the stepper motor driver out, but I think that's basically the only thing left that, that, that could really be wrong because it was working before. Um, and might the question might just be a bad cable, might be a bad crimp somewhere that's, um, that's coming loose. But the, the thing that I did is I fed some filament. I have been moving the extruder a bit by hand and then it just wasn't working anymore. And I basically didn't do anything else in between. I will check the wiring loom and everything, but so far I think it's a stepper motor driver. And the question was, if you have ever killed a stepper motor driver and you said, yeah, yeah sure. dozens of times. Well, not, not, do- not dozens, <laughs> not dozens. Um, but yeah, in the, in the early days, in, in the old days, um, Stepper drive, stepper motor drivers were quite a bit more sensitive to dying. I, well, I don't know if it was the, the drivers itself, um, but they were dying a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, because it didn't know what it was, what it was doing. So, um, pl- unplugging motors while stuff is powered up—that is a pretty good way to to kill one, okay. um, because you, you you've got this big old um, inductive load that you've got connected with long wires and all, mm-hmm. um, and you unplug and replug that. That creates quite a bit of a of a spike, um, and is that that is a way to at least put a driver into the danger zone um the the old lego drivers the a4988 or the a4982 um i've killed some of those and the the first trinamic drivers that were out there oh god i I forget what exactly they were called um but those are the ones that were actually known for being quite weak when it comes to um being back driven Mm-hmm. Um, so by moving an axis by hand too quickly, mm-hmm. um, as the as the myth goes, um, you create well as the myth. It's it's more of a of, of a truth in, in that case actually. Um, you are feeding current backwards through the stepper mm-hmm. driver, and for the earliest trinamic drivers, you could actually buy like little adapter boards um, that went under your your drivers and had some extra diodes on it. So if you would push the motor. The current will go through those diodes and not okay. through the driver chip directly into the supply rails. Okay. Um, newer trimake drivers are have been reinforced um, in that area, so they they're much less likely to to die from that. Okay. Yeah, I always had the impression that the the only th- way you can really kill a stepper motor driver is by yeah moving it by hand. But I did that plenty of times. Never. N- there was never something happening, so I thought, yeah, that's always an it has been an urban legend. But it's 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 nice to know. I don't know if really the stepper motor driver is killed now, but I will 
uh maybe maybe give an update on that topic uh on the next episode yeah to to diagnose really simple ways just plug in the extruder into one of the other channels um yeah. plug it into x y whatever and, and move that and if the if the motor still works then then it's the driver itself if not yeah. then there's something else wrong yeah and yeah so a loose crimp or a bad bad wire or something that is that is either that is something that could cause what you're seeing, mm. but it can also cause the driver to die because you're you're mm. basically switching on and off that inductive load. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Well, we'll try that out later. <laughs> cool, not cool. I don't know. Breaking stuff. Huh? Well, breaking. Yeah, but for me, it's always interesting to 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 diagnose these things and and learn what causes of specific symptoms could be. That's Absolutely. the interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, I, I would like to use this machine as a tool at the moment, so I'm not really happy. I'm not really happy uh, diagnosing that problem. But on the other hand, yeah, if if I learn something, it's it's only half that bad. Yeah. Um, and something else you wanted to learn about is uh, whether you should start a German channel or not. That's. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I keep shifting topics here. <laughs> it's probably the same say, same with, with your channel that you constantly get comments and maybe even emails on why aren't you releasing your videos also in German. Maybe it's not that obvious with your channel because your English is yeah. bad, better and I always have the Guten Tag and Auf Wiedersehen hook in my videos. So yeah. people no, I, I don't, assume I don't that, that I'm German. much anymore. I used to get that quite a bit, but but not anymore. Okay. So I get that quite a lot. And I always said, yeah, it's not really worth the effort and yada, yada. But just thinking about translating my script, of course, that takes a bit of time um, recording the script and then just putting the new audio under my video and just shifting everything a bit around. <sighs> Especially for your stuff, it's really, really simple. You don't have that much A roll in there where you're just talking nope. to camera. You have mostly voiceover. Yeah. I do. So I, I'm really thinking of starting a German channel. I, well, no, I really want to start making German videos. Um, the question I also posted on Twitter is, should I release those German videos also on my first channel? Should I start a set or should, or should I start a second channel for that? At first I thought, yeah, just put them on the main channel because that gives more traffic but um on the other hand i think i don't want to confuse people with Conf having confuse people yeah and spam subscribers with uh, exactly with that yeah have a have a that's that's the way i would go to have a different channel make it clear mm -hmm. from the channel name that this is your main channel your main mm -hmm. channel but in german um yeah and do it like that um so the idea now is well Let's put it the other way. You also, that was ages ago, you made um, German and English videos, yeah. like in parallel. And Great, still Scott, the Great Scott has been doing that for quite a while. And where I have really known it from was, um, can do you know, uh, Der Bauer? Uh, yeah. German. Like, I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah, maybe. Um <laughs> But I just checked Der Bauer today because one of his videos showed up in my timeline. And he also switched from posting videos in parallel on one channel to he actually opened a second channel, which is his English channel now. Right. And have you checked how well that is doing in comparison to the, to the main English channel? Well, the main channel is now German. Okay. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing there is I think he has around... 400,000 subscribers on his main channel, which is now mainly German. And he has not a ton of subscribers on his English channel now. And I probably would have done it the other way around because for you and for me, our main audience is, is English speaking. True. Well, he, he probably looked at it and was like, hey, hmm. these, this language is getting more views. So that should be the, the main channel. Yeah. Now. Um, um as as but, far as ratios go i mean i've 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 uploaded videos at in the very early days in, in german and english um and it was always like factor of five or factor of seven um that's the english videos were getting more mm -hmm. views yeah um so that that was the decision for me hey this isn't worth it because it's still a lot of work to put in for mm -hmm. for scripting and editing 
And the additional thing is that if we take a look at our ad revenue, um, the ad revenue from the US and other English speaking countries is double or three times the amount that we get from German views. So per, I think my CPM yeah. or RPM is around like two, one to two euros for, for German views. And it's four to five to, I don't know, something yeah. in that range for, um, English speaking countries. So you're getting less views on a video and these views even pay less. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess the US is just a lot more consume happy. Um, it's something like that. So, uh, the, pl the plan for me is actually, and I have already opened a, um, a second, like a CNC kitchen DE, a German channel. I want to prepare three videos before I like publicize everything right and then the plan is so i have my two week schedule with videos so in one week um release the english video and then a week after that the german video on the german channel the thing is also what you what you might need to think about is is this taking away views from my main channel um, exactly and i guess that that's why doing the, the staggered release exactly um, and with youtube and the algorithm controlling everything it's like hey if you're if you if you're drawing away let's say even five percent of the audience mm -hmm. from your original video that's not just going to be a five percent difference in overall views that is actually going to be multiplied because now that the algorithm sees hey this isn't getting that much interest yeah. and it's even going to show it to less people mm. who are not yeah. going to who are not holding out for the german video yeah. so yeah we'll see th that's hard I, to quantify though it's really hard to quantify i i just need to start with it at some point and really quantify how much effort I put in that and how much that um, in impacts views and everything. But it might be the opportunity to um, open that market because there are other German 3D printing channels that also have like 50 to 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. So there is the market for that. And since we are starting... Uh, or since we are starting to sell our products and things like that, and this is more like German and Europe cent centered, uh, just due to logistics, I think it is quite of a good move to go into that direction, at least for me as a business. I will, I will be watching with great interest. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm really scared of hearing me talk German. I, I guess I'm I'm not subscribed to any, to almost any uh, German YouTube channels. Yeah, same. Um, other than Harald Lesch or something like that, um, and I always have a bit of a cringe feeling when watching German videos. I don't know. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm not that comfortable yet going that German round. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think we've talked about that yet. Uh, I think we've talked about that before. Um, but the my impression with a German versus English YouTube content is because you have such you have a, a wider audience um, on 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 people who understand the English language, including most Germans. Um, you can make more niche content. You don't have to make content that appeals to everyone. Yeah. So my impression of like the German YouTube scene is there's a lot of just um, superficial and and clickbaity and very strongly leaning into entertainment only mm. um, type of content. Yeah. Whereas the English speaking stuff can be more niche and more in depth because overall you're going to find a in absolute terms you're going to find a bigger audience yeah. um, for that niche if you have. Like I said, a, a bigger demographic that he yeah. that understands the videos. Yeah. So maybe that is that is some of the um, some of the where some of the reluctance is coming mm -hmm. from yeah. in making uh, German speaking or German yeah. language content. By the way, for, for people asking, yes, I am German too. So <laughs> <laughs> just to make that clear. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll let you know on how Please it goes. Do. <laughs> Please do. And sticking on the topic of the of of channel decisions and and businessing uh, the crap out of YouTube sponsors, you, Stefan, you put that in there. You, you called it grinding the good and bad of sponsors. So yeah, I I call it that way because last week was one of the weeks I I guess I worked the most for ages. Well, it, we're just two 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 days. But the thing, so if you don't 
if you as, as a listener of you don't know how it works with uh, sponsors, uh, you usually get a, a sponsor deal. You put that, I don't know, 60 to 90 seconds integration into your video. And that video needs to go to the marketing agency or to the company itself a couple of days prior to the release of the video. And I had a video f almost finished for last saturday and then just on thursday night they told me uh that sponsor is not going to happen this this month um we need to do something else and i said oh sorry not possible they're just two days to go i i can't do anything else um but then just yeah thinking about the stuff i i still have at home and whatnot i thought yeah let let's give it a try and try to make a <laughs> proper video really within one or one and a half days so like friday morning i started uh like looking for my pet filament that uh joshua sent me i don't know six months back, back or something like that i developed a printing profile i developed uh, printing print samples i printed uh, uh test parts just for the visual appeal i wrote a video i wrote a video integration and i was just working straight through for 14 hours i was dead at night uh but it worked um so what i meant with that is that sometimes sponsors are good in a way because they make me work way much than i think i'm capable of they help me to overcome procrastination they create accountability they yeah. uh, create accountability and of course they they really help keep my channel running um yeah, so that's the entire point right <laughs> that's the entire point <laughs> um but there's also the bad side that um as, as i told you before yeah, many viewers or some viewers just don't like sponsored integrations. I do understand that. Um, sometimes this pressure that you have of just finishing a project at a certain point results in maybe not diving as deep into a topic as you would like, just because it has to be finished at some point. But on the other hand, it also at least helps me for finishing projects, documenting yeah. projects, even though they are not 100% perfect. But 95% is still better than not at all. So yeah, I don't know, the, what, what, what's your take on that the, topic? The, the old 80-20 the old rule, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, sponsor. sponsor. So, so I've, had, I've had a sponsor on pretty much every single video um, for the last... I don't know, year or two. Um, my mom's been really good at, at getting those on board and, and organizing everything. Um, and they've been on that two-week schedule. And I don't think I would have stuck to that two-week schedule for the, for the longest time. Well, the, the last couple of months were like, well, not, months, not months, but December was a three-week schedule because mm. like Christmas and stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that it, it, it forces you to release stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It forces you to finish stuff. Yeah. Um, they pay well, um, so that's that's great. That is, I, I don't think without sponsors, I would be able to to run this channel full time um, because they do make up a significant portion of of my income. Um, but what I and, and I think there are ways around it. But I think the the biggest downside is that there is such a long lead time to everything now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I put into our show notes here spontaneity. I thought it was spontaneity. Um, but basically, sponsors always want a topic. They they always want you to decide. Hey, Tom, I would like to put an I would like to book an integration for June this year. Um, what video topics do you, do you have for them? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know what what topics I'm going to cover in June. Um, but typically, they, they they're like three videos out, four videos out. So that's like one or two months um, where they want to sponsor a video and they want to know the topic. So basically, for, for a lot of stuff, um, you have to decide what topics you're going to cover for the next two months. And that does kill off uh, the opportunity to, I don't know, cover a new slicer release or cover the the, the quantum filaments, the two-color filaments mm -hmm. um, that everyone's raving about or just a new development. Um, anything in that regard is going to go on top of the videos you're already making. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and also, any any spontaneous topics is, are, are not going to have a sponsor, so they pay mm. less. It, it pays less to make those videos. Mm. Um, so it is it is a bit of a yeah, a bit of a trade off to make. Um, for some channels where um, I don't know stuff stuff made here, I think mm-hmm. um, would not work if it was hey we need a three month schedule for for your stuff <laughs> um, and we need a deadline because for for his stuff it just needs to be done. Um, mm. Does the project it needs to be done for it for, for, for they even to for they even being a video to be released? The video doesn't exist if the project isn't done, right? Yeah, and you can't force the project to be done. Yeah. Um, so if you if you make that clear and if you make the sponsorship deals with that in mind, and you're saying, hey, you don't get a deadline, but you get like a, a, a rough range, like plus minus three weeks, basically, <laughs> uh, where it's going to be finished, and probably it's going to be this topic. Then that can bring some of that spontaneity back. But for again, that's that's bigger projects. Mm-hmm. It, I, yeah, it's it's not it's not a, a black or white hmm. easy decision, right? I guess for me it's a bit different than for you because you work a lot with sponsors that are in the maker and three D printing right. range. I work a lot with just like generic companies, right. Squarespace, Audible, whatever. So. For me, there's, there isn't usually a requirement for a specific topic or they aren't looking for specific topics. So right. they just say, we want to have 100,000 views within the first 30 days of the video. Um, so it's a bit the other way around that I think, okay, what topic could I cover that would generate at least right. 100,000 views right. within that time? So which. Yeah. Sometimes let's specific topics fall under the table exactly. because if you have really niche content, which is super nice, but just interesting to a couple, those aren't videos that sometimes get made just because the sponsors don't want them. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like I said, same thing. If you, if you want to cover, if you want to spontaneously cover a topic, yeah. like you can't because you're not getting paid for that essentially. Yeah. Um, or you're getting paid less. Yes, there's mm. still Patreon, there's still ad revenue, there's yeah. still all of that. Yeah. Um, but it's still, if there's no sponsor on the video, it's still less. There's still a, uh, yeah, you're still missing out. Um, what was I going to say about the, um, yeah, so with um, with sponsors from the 3D printing range or, or market, um, what I do have to keep an eye out for is, hey, is there some sort of a conflict of interest? Like, yeah. Um, are you testing? I don't know. Are you testing a, a an E three D Revo and you've got a sponsorship from from Slice Engineer on there? That's something that I, I I've tried to avoid and and so far successfully have avoided, um, because you, you're sending mixed messages in in that regard. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, for, for me, usually the requirement is just. It has to be non-controversial. <laughs> or there are, of course, if, if I talk about Squarespace, uh, of course, I, I am not allowed to make a video about how to make a website with the Wix. I don't know, something like that. Um, which goes in the same direction as, as, as you just said. But again, for me, just the topic of, of, of sponsors helps me run this channel and now do it almost full time. But it also helps me to not procrastinate because I'm a huge procrastinator. I don't know. I started playing Battlefield 2042 again and I would like to play way more. But if I know that something needs to be finished, I say, okay, yeah, maybe don't play that game at the moment. Finish your your work. So this is not only benefiting me as getting more income in the end but it's also benefiting the viewers because i work more yeah and i finish stuff and i concentrate on the things that are important and not the things that are maybe not that important yeah you get stuff done that's (laughs) that is very much important in that regard okay and if 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 you don't like sponsors you can always skip them you can always skip forward right 
on the on, on the phone. So you just tap 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 tap, and you're, yeah. you're through. Um, Maybe one last question before we go to 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 Voron. I'm really asking myself how long YouTube still allows that business model because they are missing out on so much revenue, and I'm really oh. asking myself if either at some point they start i don't know charging you a fee if you have a sponsor on a video and and you don't know have to apply for having a sponsor in a video or if they are starting acting as as a marketing agency and working directly with you and not just placing generic ads on your videos but YouTube is missing out on so much revenue. And I'm really asking myself, when will there be the time that YouTube wants a piece of that pie? The thing is, if, if they start doing that, they're killing off their own site more than they are already killing off their own site. <laughs> um, But because... if they're still earning more with that, they don't really care. Well, if they lose all their creators... Because they're saying, "Well, screw that! I'm I'm going somewhere else." Mm. They've they've already been making some bad decisions um, yeah. with this like button. Um, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't doubt that they would make that bad decision too. But it's just I I I don't think they nah. I, I just don't I, think that's. I'm happen. I'm not sure. Well, I'm just. Take a look at the ratio between what I earn from normal ad revenue in comparison to to what I earn with a sponsor. It is a significant amount, and true. If if I would be YouTube, I would be thinking about how can I get some of that <laughs> to make our investors happy. Well, if I it comes know, to just, that, just something that pops up always, in my head. There's always TikTok, right? There's always TikTok, but you don't basically earn anything on TikTok. So oh, brand deals. Or Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. I don't know. I'm too ugly for that, I guess. Just make pretty prints. You yeah. can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 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 a bit of, maybe a bit of a tangent. Um what what we try to do um is well you, your your channel and mine is to have informative and critical um content that is mm -hmm. you know That, that that basically how do I how do I say this respectfully? Um base basically what I, what I'm what I'm trying to say is looking at someone like Film and Frenzy, um yeah. whose entire thing is creating pretty prints and just showing positivity. Mm. Um and who's made a, a business model out of that as as far as I understand. Um that would be such a more pleasant experience i, I think no. just being able to to focus on, on purely positive things creating pretty stuff making yeah instead of having to, to be critical I, uh, yeah <laughs> i don't know sounds nice uh, well um, there's still the the option for you to 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 take another route yeah Just... I don't know, but, but but this this could this could become a rather large tangent, and I'm 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 starting to feel exhausted already. Yeah. <laughs> so let's maybe skip this one and jump okay. into some comments uh, because I'm sure we've got enough to talk about there. So Vorpal is asking um, Stefan, how did you go with your T star die stamping idea for creating high flow nozzles? So this was part of I think the. Uh, well, adding a, a specific structure into 3D printing nozzles to increase the surface area. So I don't have a brooch for my lathe yet to, for example, add a hex shape or something like that. But I have seen other people really just shoving Torx bits into nozzles uh, to cr create a specific shape in there. Also yeah, a way not? to go. If the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> not the prettiest, but if it works, yeah, why not? Uh, so... Yeah, might might be a, a way to do it. Maybe, I don't know. The the, the problem is with uh, the 1.75 millimeter nozzles and filament, it's kind of hard because it's really tiny, but you could maybe rework a 1.75 millimeter nozzle to to be bigger in the end and then use it with three millimeter filament. Still something right. I could investigate at some point. But yeah, um didn't do any much work in that direction. 
at the moment. Okay. Masi Khan is asking, um, I'm going to like shorten this one down because it is quite a, lot, a long comment. Um, basically asking about biodegradability of PLA. And um, the common consensus seems to be um, PLA does not biodegrade under common composting environments. Uh, but he did a test and buried a printed PLA planter in his composting pile. And within a week, it was completely decomposed. Um, so he says his compost pile reaches over 60 degrees Celsius. At the core, um, PLA does become soft at that point, and within a week, that print was gone, whereas the one he just buried in the soil was still there after a week. So, Stefan, you've you've got some some thoughts and some opinions on that. <laughs> Yes, I actually do because yeah, the video that was planned for last Saturday was on the topic of putting 3D prints in my compost pile for a hundred days. Um, so this has been a project I wanted to do for ages. Um, but this summer I actually buried a couple of prints I did with different filaments, different bio filaments, bio-based yeah. filaments and kind of biodegradable filaments just put them in my compost it's not the best compost pile it's not the worst it makes good compost it's an every year compost pile right it is warm <laughs> in the middle and uh yeah what happened is that the pla parts instead focusing yeah yeah it's focusing pla parts they deformed because they got warm but otherwise nothing really happened to the PLA parts. Of course, um, if you have an even even better compost pile with higher temperature, other microbes, things could happen. But I'm quite sure that within a week, a PLA part doesn't really disintegrate. So even with those thin plastic bags that are claimed to be compostable and sometimes sold as compost waste bags many industrial composting plants don't want to have them in their composting pile because right. even under industrial conditions these really thin bags take weeks to decompose and the the rate of decomposition is more or less a function of the thickness so thin material will yeah. disintegrate way faster um so you're basically saying there's no way that within a week um, a PLA part could have been chewed up by mm. a compost. I'm quite sure I would pile. bet a crate of beer on that. <laughs> um, I mean, that there still could be the option that yes there was some microbe life in that yeah. compost pile that was like very specifically suited to yeah. decomposing PLA. Yeah. Might also be the option that the part was just lost in the yep. compost pile, um, yep. or that some critter actually decided, "Hey, this is something I want as a as a chewing toy." Um, <laughs> um, squirrels are known to to chew on like PLA um, bird feeders and stuff, yeah. <laughs> so could be could be that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe also one interesting point is so for example if you leave just pla parts out in the sun and in the environment pla parts might still fall apart but that's not biodegradation that's just degradation yeah. generating microplastics and not so biodegradation or composting means that your part is converted into water co2 uh water co2 biomass and I forget the, the 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 fourth one. Whatever. Energy. Uh, minerals. Mineral. Minerals. Yeah, of course, energy. Um, and there is really this distinction between just degeneration and just breaking apart into little bits. That's not composting, or that's just generating microplastics. You still have the long polymer chains, or composting, where you really take a polymer, break it down to its yeah. Basically, it's it, it's it's molecules, and therefore, really getting it out of the environment. There are really interesting polymers. So during my research, I found them, which are oxo 
uh, oxo degenerative plastics or oxo plastics where there are metal salts in the polymer that help. I, I think they're, for example, used on, um, on fields to cover the fields that not that much herbs grow there, just your normal plants. But due to the, the, um, the metal salts that are in the plastic, they help that this plastic falls apart quite quickly. But that doesn't mean that those polyethylene or polypropylene uh, sheets have been composted. Yeah. You just have a bunch of really small parts. You're just that, creating microplastic really yeah, fast. Yeah, you're just creating microplastic, which is kind of nasty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's oxo degradable. Yeah, I just had a quick look at the, at the Wikipedia. Yeah. Basically, the UV light, yeah, um, or heat or oxygen yeah. starts that reaction. Uh, so yeah, yeah not so not maybe really to 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 yeah. conclude that question, PLA it is biodegradable, but it's only biodegradable if you have very certain conditions and temperature is very important because with the temperature and the water in the compost pile you first have hydrolyzation of the polymer so the long uh, polylactic acid polymers break down into smaller chunks and then they can be eaten by the bacteria and the enzymes that they produce um it, it would be it would be interesting if it would be possible to create basically your own fermentation tank basically for pla um kind of like you do a sourdough starter right yeah um where you just have your have your flour and water and just you, you, you let grow whatever wants to grow yeah. in there and then you keep feeding your your feedstock your, your flour mm -hmm. in that case um whether that would work for pla2 where you take maybe as a starter a bit of of, a, of your compost pile yeah um a bit of bit of semi-composted matter chuck it into pla and just keep feeding it pla and see what <laughs> microorganisms start living in there and start yeah. breaking down the pla yeah um, so, so my plan actually for PLA this year is is <laughs> is to buy another composter that is capable of producing higher temperatures it's barrel composter that you aerate more and right. with the more air um you've yeah give the aerobe microbes uh more the possibility to, to grow and work and i hope to reach the 60 or 70 degrees necessary for the pla and maybe at the end of of this year i'm able to say okay i was i it was possible for me to um biodegrade pla parts yeah i'm i'm just i'm just wondering what what sort of microbes still live at 60 degrees there's still bacteria and, and stuff like that okay but um thermophile bacteria or something like that okay. um oh. that that work at these temperatures okay could be very interesting experiments yeah right. and i think with that we have today's episode in the box very nice mm -hmm. so as always stefan thank you for the time thank you for yours if you enjoyed the episode, uh, you can support Stefan or me on Patreon. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channels. Uh, you can subscribe to this show on YouTube or watch, listen, I guess, technically on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Yeah. Anything to add? Nope. Uh, if you have questions, put them down in the comments and we try to answer them in the next episode that airs. Absolutely. All right, then thank you all for watching or listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye-bye.